Our great example and instructor in prayer is the Lord Jesus Christ. In God's Word, we find everything we need to develop a life of prayer. Join Scott Pauley today as we study the Bible together. We come today to the most famous prayer in the entire world. Uh, this prayer has long been uh, recited and long been known by people. And uh, yet I wonder if the spiritual truths that Christ reveals in this model prayer have truly become a part of the way we pray. I want us to walk through this brief prayer found in Luke chapter number 11. And it is very brief. It's only 58 words long. Uh, could I remind you that simply because you pray a long time, does not mean you're praying the right way. As a matter of fact, Jesus even criticized the Pharisees' prayer life because he said that they thought they would be heard for their much speaking. Well, just because we talk a lot doesn't mean we're really talking to God. And just because our prayers sound beautiful doesn't mean that they're accomplishing what prayer is supposed to accomplish. And so, let's find out uh, that this most famous prayer in the world is full of great truth for us. We begin with two words. The first two words Jesus began with, Our Father. Those are beautiful words. You know, so many people want to make their prayers and they talk to God. They talk to God. They, they think of a higher power. And yet Jesus is introducing a totally different level of prayer. He is making available to us something that most people never fully enter into. And it is this, prayer is a family conversation. Prayer is entering into a conversation, truthfully, that has been going on for a long, long time. And did you know that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the great three-in-one, our eternal God, have been in constant communion with one another since eternity past? Long before the Lord Jesus ever came to earth, uh, they were in constant communion with one another, perfect unity among the Godhead. I believe that's one reason why the Lord Jesus loved to pray while He was on earth, because He was continuing this constant communion. And it seems so natural. You study the life of Christ, and there are these moments when He's talking to the disciples, and then just very naturally He's talking to the Father, and then again He's talking to the disciples. It, it was just a natural part of His communion, His communication. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if our life would become that, that way in our communion with our God? But watch, please. He's not just talking to God. He's talking to our Father. Let me give you a great verse. John chapter number 20 and verse number 17. This is after the resurrection when He speaks to Mary in the garden. He says to her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Would you take note, please, that God is not only the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, He is our Father. In other words, Jesus made a way so that we could enter into this family relationship and in so doing have the privilege of access that the Lord Jesus has. 
Somebody said, I wish I could come into the throne room of Almighty God like the Son does. Friend, every time we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is exactly what we're given. He gives us that access. He gives us that authority. He gives us that assurance. That's why Paul taught in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit that's come to live in us cries out, Abba, Father, literally, Papa. It is the most intimate, endearing family term you could ever imagine for a conversation. And so the first great truth I want you to see from the model prayer is that this kind of praying is based on relationship. It literally is a family conversation. Years ago, I read the story of a little boy who had walked several miles to Buckingham Palace and tried to gain admittance to see the king. And of course, uh, in London, The guard, the palace guard, very stern and stoic, had turned the boy away and rebuffed him for his repeated attempts. He's sitting outside the palace walls crying when a fine, well-dressed man with a little entourage comes around the corner. And the young man stopped and looked at the boy and said, Son, what's the matter? And the young man said, Well, I came to see the king. I want to talk to the king, and and they won't let me in. And the, the fine young gentleman said to him, Well, I'm going in. And the little boy said, you think you can get in? And he said, yes, I think I can. And he said, would you like to go in with me? And he said, oh, yes, I'd love to go in with you. And so the fine, well-dressed gentleman took this young boy by the hand, and together they walked straight up to the same door where the boy's been turned away, except this time the door comes open. The palace guard salutes and steps to the side, and right they go into the palace, not only into the palace, into the very throne room of the king. What the little boy didn't know is that he had by the hand the Prince of Wales, the king's son. And the great moral of the story is that through the son, you have access to the father. Oh, my friend, you may have tried a thousand ways to gain access to God. You may have been baptized and joined a church or turned over a new leaf or tried harder. You may have even prayed a long prayer. But I want to tell you some good news today. When you take the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, by His nail-pierced hand and put your faith in Him as your Savior, when you become one with the Son, you come into an amazing relationship with the Heavenly Father. And because of that, you have the right and the privilege of sonship. You're not a stranger. You're not a foreigner. You're a family member. You know, there are some things that my children can ask me for that no one else can ask me for. And they have access to me that no one else has. But when you're in the family of God, every child of God has that same access. And so the Lord Jesus doesn't begin with uh, reciting a prayer. He doesn't begin with teaching you all the things you should ask for. He doesn't begin with all the mechanics and motions of prayer. He begins with relationship. Isn't that beautiful? He begins with a loving relationship. He begins with two words, our Father. He goes on to tell us who this Father is. Our Father, which art in heaven. What is that? It's an acknowledgement that our Father is higher than we are. And He sees farther than we do. And He has wisdom and power that we do not have. Do you remember the old show years ago, Father Knows Best? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Earthly daddies don't always know what is best, but your heavenly Father does. Your Heavenly Father has His eye on you today, my friend. He knows you by name. He remembers that you're dust. He has every hair on your head numbered. And He cares for you. Your Heavenly Father 
wants to hear your voice today. I don't care who you are, how far you may feel from him. The moment that prodigal said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. Oh, the father had already come running to him. The father was waiting to hear from him. Whoever you are today, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, begin there. Come to a relationship with Christ and become part of the family. And if you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, then why don't you begin your prayer this way today? Our Father, our Father, which art in heaven, and know that when you say those words, your Father is listening to you. Thank you for joining us for today's study. We deeply appreciate your prayers for this work and hope that you'll visit our website, scottpauley.org, where you'll have an opportunity to invest in the gospel. Would you consider giving a gift to help us extend God's word to others? You'll also find many other encouraging resources. Our prayer for you is that with Christ, you will enjoy the journey.